Okay, so we'll start with Romans. And in Romans in chapters 1 to 8, we saw how Paul really explained the gospel to us in depth. And since chapter 9 to 11, Paul now has to focus on Israel and ask, okay, what is what is Israel doing? What are is what are God's people doing with the gospel? So before we start with chapter twelve, that's about the practical conferences. What it means practically to follow Jesus. So that's what we saw last week in chapter nine. <coughs> so Paul directed the focus on the people of Israel now. And we asked ourselves the questions, what is Israel doing with all these precious promises that God has given them? What are they doing with the gospel? How are they reacting to it? Mm. And we know that they didn't um, they didn't recognize the Messiah, even though they had been given so many promises in the Old Testament that were really pointing to him. And John... 1 verse 11 verse 1 it says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him but God used this unfaithfulness this aversion of his own people in his sovereign plan to reach out to the Gentiles in that time and in chapter 10 verse 20 that's the last verse that we're going to look at today um a prophecy from Je Isaiah is cited where it says I have been found by those who did not seek me I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me <coughs> and by that um, the Gentiles are meant <coughs> and so now we're reading at um, chapter 9 verse 30 to 33 or to 10 verse um, 20 sorry and there it says, I think we'll just read it. So Romans chapter 9. We'll read the verses 30 to 33. And what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed the right, who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith but that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as, as if it were based on works. They've stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So by all accounts, the Gentiles found righteousness, even though it didn't look like they were really seeking it. And by contrast, Israel seemed to, with everything that it had, to look after the righteousness of God, but they didn't find it. Why? So Paul gives us the, the answer here, because it didn't happen through faith. 
they were looking for righteousness in the works of the law. So in all the chapters that we looked at already, Paul said again and again that no human can be saved through the law, but only through faith in Jesus. So God gave his people the law, and next to many regulations, the Ten Commandments were at the center as a basis, as a sort of constitution to regulate a good life according to the demands of God. So it should enable the Israelites to live justly and holy in front of God in faith. Just as their founding father Abraham had exemplified it. But from the starting point it was um, clear that the people would not be able out of their own strength to keep to all these laws. So this knowledge of their sinfulness, of their weakness, it actually it should have driven them into dependency on God. But instead they either rebelled against the law and against God and went their own way or they really were eager to keep the entire law and even put more regulations on top and made it even more difficult. To then, out of their own strength, out of their own eagerness, get righteousness in front of God. But that was not possible. In James 2 verse 10 it says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So no human was, is or will ever be able to meet all the demands of God. But the Jews, they, they sought exactly in that, in abiding the law, they sought salvation. And ho that's how they became hypocrites, especially the religious elite. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 to 28, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So they made something, they appeared to be righteous or they tried to appear righteous on the outside even though they weren't on the inside and they acted like they were righteous in front of God. But the Israelites, they couldn't tell themselves that they were just incapable of meeting the law and they didn't want to ask God for forgiveness but they tried instead to fulfill the law out of their own strength. So instead of coming in front of the Lord broken and saying, God, I can't do this on my own, forgive me and renew me, they depended on their own strength. And out of this delusion, they took offense to Jesus. Instead of as their savior, they saw him as their enemy 
because Jesus taught about salvation outside of the law, but through faith in him alone. So we read verse 33, where it says, And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So we read um, chapter 10, 1 to 3. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Like in the chapters before, we see Paul's loving heart for his people. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Because Paul was one out of their midst and he knew about this eagerness of his people for God. Because he himself had been one of the greatest zealots among them. And that made the heart of Paul especially heavy because he knew exactly how they were thinking. He knew the, the good eagerness to want to do everything right. <coughs> but just like with him before his conversion, it, it, they were missing the true insight. So Paul, back then he was Saul, Saul before his conversion. His eyes were opened through meeting Jesus. We know that story. He was on his way to Damascus to take prisoner the followers of Christ. Jesus met him and he opened his eyes and Paul recognized him as the promised Messiah. So he recognized him and he recognized the salvation through faith alone. So now it was his heart's desire to preach the gospel to his people in the hope that they would come to this true insight just like he had. So the Jews, they had this unbelievable knowledge about God but they couldn't really grasp him. So they were eager for God but not according to knowledge. That's what it says here. And I think that's a point where many religious people today, even sincere Christians, they go astray. Because they have this knowledge of God, they have eagerness, and they want to do everything right. But they don't have that true insight, not that true revelation of God. And there are so many Christians that in their zeal for God, they want to do everything right. And in the end, they end up in lawfulness so in that attempt to through your own strength through good works to abiding laws to please God mm. they don't look at the grace and that the life through the Holy Spirit in God so may God open our eyes for that true revelation so it needs again and again, just as with Saul, it needs that supernatural working of God in our hearts that we can really recognize him and what he demands. So it's not the knowledge alone that takes us far, 
but we need revelation of himself. We need enlightened eyes of our heart. That's what it says in Ephesians 1.17. The revelation of God himself and enlightened eyes of our heart. And that should be our daily prayer as well because we are blind and we need that revelation. Because the Israelites had been looking for their own righteousness. They didn't submit to the true righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus alone. That was the bitter consequence. We read the verses 4 to 8. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. So it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So that doesn't mean that the law, the rules of God, are not valid anymore or that it's not good but it means that we cannot be saved through the law alone, but alone through Jesus. So the law out of itself doesn't bring righteousness in front of God to anyone, and it can't do that. So Christ, when he lives, he fulfills the entire law by through his entire sinless life. He kept to the law and every single thing. And then he gave his life as a payment for sin. So Jesus gave us his, his perfect, his sinless, his just life in front of God. So it wasn't possible for us. Jesus lived and he gave it for us. And so Jesus' righteousness became our own righteousness without us having to do anything for it and we couldn't do anything for it we only have to believe and we have to accept this gift of mercy for ourselves in Matthew 5 17 to 18 it says do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets I have not come to abolish but to fulfill them for truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an ocean, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So just to summarize that, so abiding the law is not the foundation by being accepted by God. It's not the foundation for our salvation. But it's still a measurement for a life that pleases God that we're now enabled to through Jesus in us and with us. So we're not saved by the law, 
but still it's good and it's right and it helps us to live a life that pleases God and Jesus who lives in us through the Holy Spirit he enables us to do that he's our strength to live that and in verse 5 here it says for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them so it says if you want righteousness and you want that only through the law then that is what will be true for you then you have to abide in everything the law says and exactly that is what's not possible as we've just heard we're too weak we're too sinful we can't manage that so there's only one way that's the righteousness that comes through faith and this is based on Jesus and we don't have to do anything to get Jesus so it's not like we ascend to heaven or into the abyss or descend into the abyss to win Jesus we just believe and we receive him and this truth the, the gospel that it's the that Romans is all about that is close it says here it's in your mouth and in your heart so it's tangible and it's accessible for everyone and now we read just how close it is in the coming verses to just accept the gospel so that's verses 9 to 11 because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame so it's the faith that's in your heart it's not enough to have these facts of the cross and the resurrection and to intellectually understand them and intellectually agree with them but you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord so faith and confession they lead to being just and finding and righteous and finding salvation David Gusick says about that we should not ignore how frighteningly easy it is to attain righteousness before God everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame and what an affront this is to any attempt of the flesh to be justified out of itself out of your own strength to to fight to be righteous in front of God or any attempt to base salvation salvation on what country you were born in or what nation you belong to as the Jews did but everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame so has God enlightened your heart do you truly recognize him as he is 
how he reaches out to you in his love how in giving his son on the cross he did everything for you to enable that way to your heavenly father has God enlightened your heart you don't have to do anything to have Jesus as your savior but you only have to believe in your heart that he paid for your sin and that in that way you are given his righteousness in front of God as soon as you accept, accept him in your heart so speak to your heart Lord I believe I believe in you I believe in the death and the resurrection the righteousness that I have in you and I confess with my mouth yes Jesus I want you to be the Lord in my life verses 12 to 15 for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved how then will they call on him whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So this offer of God, the salvation through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, that Paul has shown to his listeners, and has really explained fully in all the chapters that's true for all people the Jews as well as the Gentiles will accept the Greek here but the Greeks in the Bible often resemble all Gentile people in the Bible so the gospel is true for all people there's no distinction Everybody who calls to the name of the Lord and asks him for salvation will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And I think these verses, they really speak for themselves. They don't need big interpretation. So you can only believe in this great news of the gospel if you've heard of the message. That's logical. And the message can only be heard if those who know the gospel go out and they preach the gospel. And to preach it, Paul says here, you need to be sent. And that's not what we are lacking. In Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So all of us, you and me, not just evangelists or missionaries, we are sent to preach the gospel, the 
this joyful message because we know the message. But it's more than that. It should be our natural longing to really want that. And I think of Peter and John who in front of the high council um, were told not to speak about Jesus anymore and they didn't say okay we'll stop no they said we cannot stop to talk about what we have seen and what we have experienced so it was their deep longing to preach the gospel to talk about it with people and that's our calling as well and it should be our longing to tell other people about Jesus here in Münster, but maybe just anywhere in the world in mission. When I read the biography of Hudson Taylor a couple of years ago, maybe you know him. He's the founder of the China Inland Mission. There was one account that I told about that really moved me. He told about an an older man in a faraway village who really accepted the gospel with joy and this man asked Hudson Taylor how long have you known about this message in England how long have you known about this so there is still countless peoples that have not been reached and maybe God calls you today to go. We have the great news in our heart and our head. And we are the ones who have to preach it and to bring it to this faraway places on the earth. But also here in Münster in our everyday life, we need that preaching of this freeing and good news. And it's easy for me to preach the gospel here in front of you. It's something else to go on the streets. So I really have to encourage myself to do that again and again. And there are missionary projects that are happening at the moment. So one of them has already been introduced here once. There are different seminaries to be equipped to talk about faith and I want to remind you of that um, there's some information back there on the table next Friday there's a seminary that you can join in where you will be equipped and helped just to talk with other people about Jesus so let's do that we have the good news it's our this is our task and let's pray that it's not something that we are forced to do but that it's a longing of our heart to talk about what moves us <coughs> in Matthew 9 verse 35 it is said and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every affliction when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, 
and the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. <coughs> so the harvest is plentiful. With other words, there are people that are waiting for the proclaiming of the gospel. So a shortage of skilled workers, that's not just a problem of our time. But in this area of mission, this shortage has been there for over 2,000 years. We read verses 16 to 21. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So Paul redirects his focus on Israel here. He says, if salvation is so easy, and if it's there for everybody who trusts in Jesus and in what he has done on the cross, then why didn't the Jews accept the gospel if it's so easy? So Paul says here that this saving faith comes from hearing the word of God. And they had heard the word of God. These prophets that had told them about the Messiah so Paul asks this rhetorical question, have they not heard? Well, yes, they have. The voice has gone out to all the earth. Mm. This is from Psalm uh, 19, verse 5. So all Jews had heard this message. Okay, they, they all heard it, but maybe did they not understand? And that's exactly the problem, as we've heard before. They had knowledge of God, but they were lacking this true revelation. So the biggest part among them had not believed in the proclamations of Paul. And not only Paul's proclamations, but they didn't trust in what God had told them in the Old Testament through Isaiah and all the other prophets, what he had spoken to his people. They didn't trust in that either. And so it says in verse 21, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And because the people of Israel were so stubborn that they didn't want to hear and maybe they didn't want to understand, God reached out to the Gentiles 
and through that he wanted to make his own people jealous. It says in verse 20, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. The Jews were proud that they were the people of God. And God wanted to make them jealous by reaching out to the Gentiles that maybe they would be jealous and they would come back. But no, Israel did not become jealous. They ignored this reaching out of God. So that Israel, in the bigger picture, apart from some people, they rejected their own Messiah. That's what Israel did. But we can know that just as God reached out to Israel, he reached out he reaches out to every single person because he wants that all people will be saved and that everybody will have that revelation of truth. He wants you and he wants me. And he wants to encourage us to spread the good news. And today as well, people will reject God and reject the the saving message. And I think we all know that. We've all talked to other people about our faith. But that shouldn't discourage us. That's not our responsibility in the end. So our responsibility is just to talk about it and to preach it. So it may bring us down how other people react, but that's not our responsibility. It shouldn't keep us from doing that. So over 15 years ago, in Siegen, when I started um, a mission on the streets of Siegen, the street cafe that I've talked about many times, where we invited everybody, just homeless people, drug addicts, old people, young people, just everyone, so we had that entire program wrapped around telling the gospel where we gave out free food and we did that again and again over years we preached the gospel again and again and there was just no reaction and I was so discouraged and before I gave um, the devotion I always went up into rooms in the church where I was really praying and I was really asking God to save souls and I was so discouraged that nothing happened. And then I found this flyer of a missionary w where the verse was, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. So God said this here um, according to Israel, but it's still true today. And that really just gave me, it encouraged me so much that day. Because I knew they were not there to hear the gospel. They were there to eat something or to drink something. But God has promised that he will be found by those who did not look for him. And that's exactly what we experienced in the years after again and again. That people who did not look for God accepted the gospel and they found salvation so we shouldn't be discouraged 
it's God's work that he has to do in the heart and we are sent to be this living testimony and to preach his word the gospel amen amen Lord we want to praise you that you reach out to us and we recognize here in Romans how easy you've made it for everybody that we can come to you that we can be saved Lord we just need to to recognize our own weakness to recognize that we have nothing to give you that we're not capable of living righteously in front of you and to find salvation through that Lord we thank you that you gave your son to this earth because you loved it just so much to bring us salvation thank you Jesus thank you that you died for our sin so that you could become our righteousness that we can accept and that we can live in Lord I ask you that this good news that saved us that it would move our heart that we have this deep longing not out of pressure not out of a bad conscience to explain the gospel to anybody but we want it to flow out of us that we want it to be our longing that we can be just like Peter and John that we say we cannot stop talking about this and we ask you for this longing in our heart that we can go out that we can preach the good news <coughs> here maybe you're calling single people to go out into the world to become missionaries to people who have not heard about this yet who are waiting to hear this saving news from you Lord you're the one who enables us you're the one who opens the hearts and you're also the one who encourages us and who sends us to proclaim your word so Lord please help us we praise you for your for the things you do we thank you Lord that you reach out <coughs> to every single one of us and that you made us your children Amen